If you have your Bibles, I'd love to encourage you to join me in Exodus chapter 25. If you are somewhat familiar with the Bible, the title of the book Exodus is somewhat self-explanatory. It is an account of the children of Israel exiting the land of Egypt and working their way toward the promised land. As they work their way toward the promised land, God, through his spokesman Moses, in a way introduces himself to the children of Israel. And in introducing himself to the children of Israel, he reveals his nature to us. And I think it is incredible where we arrive this morning in Exodus chapter 25. If I was going to use a Bible word concerning our spiritual life, I would use a New Testament word and I would settle on the word walk. It is how we navigate life. It is how we work our way toward the finish line that God has for us, our spiritual walk. Our spiritual walk begins at salvation when we are born again. When by the Holy Spirit, we are quickened to life when we were dead in trespasses and sins. We are adopted into the family of God. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That connection is with Jesus Christ. But once we begin our spiritual walk, we become aware of the fact that there are many brothers and sisters in Christ. And a part of the visible local church as we are, we realize that we are going through life, we are walking this road together with others. And it is a reality that we accomplish more together than we do alone, and that we is always stronger than me. And as we come to the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus, we are entering into the onset of a building program that God has outlined for the nation of Israel. We have recently concluding, uh, concluded our study of the rebuilding of the walls at Jerusalem. It was an amazing step of faith. It was an amazing feat that was accomplished. It was miraculously provided for by God. But far before that, we have this building project, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And the tabernacle to us may seem like only a temporary dwelling, and certainly that's what it was. It was made of curtains and shittim wood and animal skins and all kinds of precious metals and stones. But I don't want you to think it was a simple thing, and I don't want you to think that it was an easy thing to undertake. As a study was done, and this is somewhat dated at this point, just the silver and the gold and the brass alone in the tabernacle was about $50 million. Where did that come from? It came from the children of Israel, who, by the way, were a nomadic people who had most recently lived a life in bondage. But God is speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter 25. And he has a message that he wants Moses to deliver to the children of Israel. And in it, what we learn are big building blocks about giving to God. I want you to notice in the 25th chapter of Exodus, and I'll just read the first two verses. It is evident by verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, here's what God wants Moses to hear. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it, willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. That is intentional by God. When we read in the Old Testament, we immediately think of things like hail, 
mingled with fire coming down from the sky. We think of bloodshed and pestilence sweeping through the land. We think of a group of people who had no other means to survival than simply doing what God said. And so when we read a passage like this concerning an offering, we think, what choice did the children of Israel have? Obviously, they had a choice because God said, I want you, Moses, to say to the people, bring me an offering and do so with a willing heart. Are you aware that God enables us to participate in what he is doing? Even the idea that is in this passage is is contribution. Bring them, tell them to bring me my offering. I want them to participate with me. Now here's something else that stands out quite simply in this initial study. God did not outline for them the schematic of the tabernacle and say, I want you to respond to the needs that I have outlined here. But rather, he said, here is what I expect the people to bring, and I'm giving them a chance to participate in something that I plan to accomplish. And by the time we get to verse 3, he makes it clear. He said, this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. Don't you wish that was still like an offering today? You just bring the goat's hair. How many of you could do that? Not, not a single one. We'd lack goat's hair. And ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. All God did was put out a laundry list, as it were, of items that were necessitated for what he planned to do. And what he was communicating from the onset is as we navigate this walk, as we continue this journey, I am giving my people an opportunity to participate in what I am doing. That is an incredible privilege. He says in there, and I want them to make a sanctuary for me. Here is a reality of God. He is giving us the opportunity to partner with him in what he is accomplishing. In the New Testament, we read this phrase, we are co-laborers together with God. Partnered together. We just heard sung, the cause of Christ is what matters. Here we are assembled together from varying backgrounds, various places along the social climb, different generations represented, but pulling together for the cause of Jesus Christ Partnered together with God. What an incredible privilege that is. Partnered in our hearts. Be willing in the offering. That's what God's expectations were. The intonation there is this. As you vow in your heart, participate. We participate as partners together with God on purpose. He said, I want to have a sanctuary there in the midst of my people. If you were to walk into the camp of the Israelite from whatever side you would have come in, you would pass through three tribes, depending on which side of the camp you came in, would dictate the tribes that you walked past. As you got down toward the center of the camp, you would see the tribe of the Levites, and then you would notice the tabernacle in the middle. If you went into the outer court, and then into the inner court, and then into the Holy of Holies, you would see the Ark of the Covenant, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant would be the mercy seat where the presence of God dwelt. If we just took a 30,000 foot view down, we would note that God was at the center of the camp. 
the center of their existence, the center of their lives. Now, God did not need their stuff in order to build that tabernacle. Because the truth is, God had the wealth of the world at his disposal. But he chose to allow them to participate and to partner with him on purpose. And the purpose was, let them build me a sanctuary, a place that is set apart for me. I believe what is being communicated is this. If these individual people will participate in this offering and they will build me this sanctuary, what they are communicating is that I hold an important place in their lives. And they are desirous of and they are willing to pursue my presence in their midst. God desires for us to give. Let me help you grasp this. This is something that has helped me. God has a right to demand to be worshipped like he wants to be worshipped. Sometimes we want it to make sense to us. Why did God want badger skins and ram skins? Why did God need the goat hair? you got to read a lot of Old Testament to understand that. What about the onyx and the precious stones and the incense? Why the table of showbread? Why, 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 why? God has a right to mandate that we worship him like he wants to be worshipped. And God, in this way, is telling Moses, one of the things that I desire is for my people to give to me. It is the opportunity to participate, to partner with God on purpose. That's why I love when you jump ahead 10 chapters to Exodus 35. Moses, now having received all the rules and expectations of God for the tabernacle, Moses, having received the message for God of what he's supposed to speak to the people, now will begin to speak to the people. And in Exodus 35 and verse 1, he begins, And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together, and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. I know why Moses started that way. The children of Israel were notoriously challenging to lead. In fact, infamously, they are complainers and critics. Moses has his hands full with the children of Israel. They were constantly demanding that their needs be met. And I understand that things like food and water are necessary for life, but they were communicating a lack of trust in God, oftentimes by complaining about their lack of food and then the food that they received and their lack of water. And so Moses, now getting ready to drop a pretty big bomb on them, that the expectation is that they give, he starts by saying, and I want you to know that giving is God's will. I know that at times you question my leadership. And I know that at times it may seem like I don't know what I am doing, but this is not about me. That is not me laying my authority on you. This is not me manipulating or coercing you. Moses begins by saying, give Because it's God's will. At the conclusion of this meeting, in verse 21 of chapter 35, here's what we read. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets, and earrings, and rings, and tablets, I made a joke in the first two services, that's iPads. If it would have gone over this well in the first two services, I would have used it. But I'm just interjecting, it's a dad joke, I get it. 
all jewels of gold, and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Now there's a lot of offer in there. Every man that offered, offered an offering. That's not easy to say, but the truth is timeless. Here's what happens. Moses steps in and he communicates. We have the privilege of participating in what God is doing. We don't have to do it alone. We're partnering with God who will enable us. And it is on purpose. We are communicating that we want Him in our midst. We are responding to His mandate. We desire His presence. So we submit humbly to give. Giving is God's will. That's what he's saying. I want you to give as though you are giving to God. And the people responded. And everyone that gave had a willing heart. And everyone that gave offered an offering unto the Lord. That is important. It's important for us to understand that they, in their hearts, were not motivated to make Moses happy. They were not motivated to see a tabernacle completed. They were motivated by the will of God. They were giving unto the Lord. It was bigger than a tabernacle. It was more important than pleasing Moses. It was about discovering what God was doing and then getting on board with that. It was about aligning their will to God's will. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, as he prayed the model prayer in the New Testament, prayed this in Luke eleven two: Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. I love what one author said. Joy in life is found in seeking to do God's will. It is matching our passion to his. True joy in life is not simply pursuing our passion. It is aligning our passion to God's passion. It is delighting ourselves in the Lord and therein finding life delightful. Do you comprehend that giving is what God outlined in His Word? And He has the right to mandate worship in whatever way He sees fit. And we can push against that, and we can reject it, and we can even rebel against that, but that does not work out like Cain and Abel. Cain said, I know what your expectations are, but here is how I choose to worship you. It's not up to us to decide what God wants. It is up to us to align our will with God's expectations, to align our passion with his passion. Again, which is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, who taught in the model prayer, thy will be done. As it is done in heaven, so let it be done in earth. Jesus is agonizing in the garden. Mere hours before he will be crucified on the cross, he is agonizing, and the Bible tells us, to such a degree that he was sweating great drops of blood, collapsing to the ground under the weight of the sin that he will soon carry and the cross that he will be nailed to. He is praying and he says this, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup of the crucifixion pass from me. But here's what he says. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. It's not about my will. You see, sometimes we think things like offerings are are tricky campaigns. Offerings really aren't that rare, are they? In fact, you are seated on a chair 
this morning. You are seated on a chair, and I would imagine you're enjoying being seated because somebody at some point in time gave an offering and we purchased a chair. Offerings aren't that rare. Offerings are necessary. Offerings aren't necessary because we simply want nicer chairs. Offerings are necessary because we want to do the will of God. And we want to do the will of God because we've aligned our passions with His, and it's how He has decided to accomplish His work. It's the partnership and the participation and the purpose that are the big building blocks of giving anyways. It's His will. And I want you to note how the people responded promptly and sacrificially. They gave what's shocking about this text is that the people stepped up with overwhelming generosity. Can you imagine that? By the time we get into chapter 35, verses 21 and 22, we read a moment ago, the people are coming and they are bringing gifts and their giving is generous and it's extravagant. By the time we get to chapter 36 and verse 6, we read an amazing statement. In verse 6 of chapter 36, Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. We have enough. That's what Moses communicated. We cannot take any more. We have enough. You say, Pastor, do you envision that moment coming for you in Graceway? No. But I'm telling you, Moses stepped up and he said, we have all the goat's hair we can do anything with. We don't need any more dyed scarlet or blue linens. We've got it. No more badger skins. We don't need any more ram skins. No more incense. We have all the essential oil we can ever do anything with. No more essential oil. I'm just going to let that hang for a second. Seriously, we have enough essential oil. No more essential oil. No more tablets. No more bracelets. No more earrings. No more rings. We have everything we need. Stop bringing it. Can you fathom how they responded with such generosity that they had to restrain them from bringing? You say, well, yeah, but imagine how much they had. They had nothing. They were a nomadic group of people who had lived in bondage. And every single thing that they had literally had been gifted them from God. And remember, as they left Egypt, they did so with shoes on their feet and clothes on their back, and those shoes and those clothes lasted them their journey through the wilderness. They didn't have food unless God gave it to them every day. They did not have water unless it was miraculously provided for them. They were constantly and keenly aware that everything they had was gifted them by God, including their freedom from bondage. You say, well, where in the world then did this group of slave people who had just a few months earlier been living under harsh taskmasters, under the crack of a whip, making bricks to build buildings, come up with anything. And that's one of the most important integers in giving. If we rewound the tape, we would get to Exodus 12 as they're leaving. And we'd read this in verse 36. And i got to have you see this. The Lord, and what's that word? Gave. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they, the Egyptians, lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. 
Here is a group of people who were in bondage in Egypt. God carries out those ten plagues, how devastating they were. On the last plague, those who did not have blood on the posts and the header of the door, the death angel passed through and the firstborn, the male firstborn was killed in every home. That breaks the Egyptians, that breaks Pharaoh, and he sends the children of Israel out with expedience. But before they go, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask of the Egyptians that they would give you necessary things for the road. And the Egyptians, so ready for them to leave, so filled with fear of God, and moved in their heart by a miraculous hand of God, decided to lend unto the children of Israel, who, by the way, never gave it back, all the stuff that would soon be necessary to build a tabernacle. Is it, is it possible, is it possible, that what the children of Israel were given were things like Incense and essential oil and silver and gold and brass and ram skins and, and, and badger skins and fine linens. Yeah, that's where they got it. They actually left Egypt like a victorious army who had spoiled their enemy. Even as the psalmist encapsulates this, he writes in Psalm 105, 37, he brought them forth with silver and gold. So here's the fact that we grasp. According to Exodus 12.36, literally the language is, the Lord gave them favor. Who gave first? God. Because in Exodus 25, God says to Moses, I want you to tell the people to bring me an offering. And in Exodus 35, Moses says to the people, you and I need to bring an offering unto God. And they're scratching their head and they're thinking, what do I have to bring? Well, here's what God wants. He wants bracelets and tablets and rings and silver and gold and brass and rams and badger skins and fine linens. And those people thought to themselves, unbelievable. I just a few months ago came into a bracelet. Unbelievable. I never in my life have had silver and gold. But when we left Egypt, wouldn't you know it, the Egyptians gave me some silver and gold for the road. I can't fathom it. I have always wanted badger skin in our tent. And I finally have badger skin in the tent. It's there. And now God wants badger skin. Isn't it incredible that God asks of us what he has already given to us? The first giver is always God. It is God's will that we give. Big block stuff. This is timeless. Though this accounting is thousands of years old, the principles haven't changed. We have a chance to participate in what God is doing. We are not doing it on our own. We are partnering with God on purpose. Giving is not coerced. It is not manipulated. It is God's will. And so we give generously. Why would these people respond with such generosity? Because they were aware of this simple fact. I didn't have this, and now I have this because God gave it to me. And they took a look around in the midst of the wilderness, and they thought, and what would I do with it here? I'm clearly living in a temporary dwelling. But we're going to get to the promised land. And when we get there, I want to be in good standing with God. Do you comprehend that everything that you have, everything that you have, God has given you. He gave first. And what can happen is this. 
We can grow resentful because of our sin nature and our carnality, and we think, well, I don't have as much as they do, or I don't have an awful lot. All of that to me is a moot point. Everything we have, whatever that may be, has been given us by God. And according to his sovereign plan, that is what he has gifted us. And he comes back now in in Exodus 35 and says, you may remember what you received. Now I'm asking that you give a portion of that to me for my purpose. And they respond generously. It is incredible. You see, the needs for the tabernacle offering were varied. And I, I mean, the list is quite long. I read it to you a little bit in chapter 25. In chapter 35, when you get into... Verse 5 down through 19, you see that it's an extensive list. Not everybody in the camp had goat's hair, but some did. Not everybody in the camp had onyx stones, but someone did. And not everybody in the camp had the linen dyed the color that was necessary, or the silver or the gold or the tablets, but somebody did. And if only one person or only one segment had responded, the the project would have never been accomplished. But because everybody stepped up, the gifting was incredibly varied because everybody was obedient, the project was finished. And those who gave were not depleted in any way, they were blessed. You say, well, now hold on a second. If they had a bracelet and they gave a bracelet, they were down a bracelet. I have no doubt they redistributed their wealth from something they couldn't keep to something that would last forever. And that's exactly what's expected of us. For Jesus says in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our theological misunderstanding causes us to be weak in our faith. They were given a bracelet. They gave a bracelet. They're down a bracelet. Wrong. They were given a bracelet by God. They gave a bracelet to God. They have more than a bracelet when they get there. And because we do not comprehend that everything that we have comes from God, and we give a portion not to a man, not to an empire builder, not to a charismatic personality, not even to a cause, but in obedience with a willing heart to God, we give a portion of that back. When we get where we're going, we are not down what we gave. We have more than we gave when we get where we're going. But our theological misunderstanding causes us to be practically weak in our faith in this life until we get back to the rudimentary understanding that these building block principles are in the scripture. Sure, it's Exodus, but they continue to exist. Why do we fight so hard against what God wants? Here's what Jesus says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure. Pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not shuck and jive. This is not huckster. This is not snake oil. This is just scriptural principles. This is a method of receiving God's blessing. Obedience to God is the key integer for receiving the blessing of God on our lives. And I have to do what God says. And I'll be honest with you, few things in life will encourage you as much as laboring together with God. And we can't take stuff with us, and we fixate on the depletion, and we lose sight of the fact that eternity is waiting. 
What a privilege we have to participate in what God is doing. I happen to be aware of the fact that I won't be here forever. Have you settled on that reality as well? You and I are not immortal in the sense that we might understand it, though we have been gifted everlasting life. When I close my eyes to this world, I will open them to eternity in heaven. And when I get to heaven, I will be there for thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon millions upon millions of years. Unendingly, I will be there. And when I am there for millions of years, I will look back on the probably 115 to 116 that I'll get in this life. I eat really good. And I use essential oils. 115 years, I'll look back and I'll think, what a travesty it was to spend my life like that segment mattered as much as I acted like it mattered. Because now the perspective I have changes everything. And we'd like to go to the Lord and say, look, I know this. If I had one more crack at it, oh, would I do things different? But we don't get another crack at it. And I grasp the reality that what we're talking about is menial. What I'm talking about us doing together is another building project and then another building project. And there are people in here who've been a part of building projects and they're getting tapped on the shoulder again, but we're not going to be here forever. And someday when we're with the Lord, our prayer is that these rooms will still be used And that lives will still be salvaged and souls will still be saved and people will still be helped and we won't be here. And somebody's going to be sitting on a chair and some kid's going to be in a nursery and we won't be around to see it. And they won't even know our names to say thank you. And the fact is, we don't need to be thanked. All we did in our generation was obey God. And then their generation has to obey God. And when we get to the presence of God, we comprehend to a greater degree what our obedience actually means. These are old principles, but they are timeless principles. We give because it's God's will. We're generous because we realize everything we have is from Him, and the heart of gratitude responds in generosity. And giving is really indicative of our spiritual growth. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.